Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. But just to kind of go back a little bit, um, we are in the You Asked For It series. So over the last few weeks, um, we've been answering some questions that you have asked about Christianity and about God, and we've had a lot of fun answering those um, and having those conversations. So we hope that you've been getting a lot out of it. Have you been getting a lot out of it? Yeah, it's pretty good. Awesome. Okay, cool. So we are... Today, going to be um, exploring the topic of the second coming of Christ. So everyone goes, ooh, yes. All right. So if... um get my time on. Um, If you are new to Christianity or if you are exploring Christianity, first of all, it's awesome to have you with us today. So good. Um, But you may have not uh, come across this term, the second coming of Christ or um, Christ's return. There's so many words we use for this, actually. Um, Hopefully you'll catch on to a bit of it. But um, you might not know what it actually means. Now, the second coming of Christ, as much as it can have a really funny stigma, which I'll talk about a bit later, um, it's It's actually just another part of God's, and I shouldn't say just because it's amazing, but um, it's another part of God's plan for the salvation of our world. So it's a big deal. Um, But I know that a lot of the time when we come to church, you know, we're hearing about the, the... what we deem as the first part of God's salvation plan, and that is Jesus Christ and the life that he's lived, um, his death and his resurrection. But today we're going to be talking about part two, if you will, um, the second coming of Christ. Um, Do I have my PowerPoint working? Yeah, there it is. Awesome. So there's the definition there for you. Um, So, as I was preparing um, today's message, a bit of a fun um, way to begin, but I asked um, Pastor Nate, so, you know, what were the questions that people asked to do with the second coming of Christ? I wanted to hit the nail on the head and, and, you know, answer your question thoroughly. And he, he just replied, oh, you know, there weren't many questions. I was like, okay. He's like, in fact, there was only one. I was like, oh, thanks, Nate. <laughs> I not only chose the um, the pretty like big kind of different topic for you asked for it, but also it's the topic that no one seems to care about except for that one person who wrote it down. So thank you, one person. That was awesome. Um, but then, so I was kind of like, oh, great, fantastic. Like this is going to be fun. Um, but then the thought hit me that. Why don't we actually talk more about the second coming of Christ? Why is it that only one person wrote it down? Um, It started to really intrigue me. And so um, I started to refresh on the scriptures that I knew about the second coming of Christ. I studied it in Bible college. And to be honest, I loved it. I was just, um, yeah, overwhelmed by the awesomeness of it. But um, so I started to refresh. And and I found that... um, Jesus actually spoke a lot about his return, about his second coming to his disciples. Um, The New Testament is filled with scripture to do with his return. And um, on top of that, uh, the apostles that Jesus 
sent out. So he sent out um, his disciples to go um, and and spread the gospel, um, to plant churches. And in these churches, they would be teaching their newest converts about the second coming of Christ. And as I was reading this, I was like, whoa, isn't this really heavy stuff? But for the early church, it was actually all part and parcel with receiving Christ. And so the importance for us today, it actually hasn't changed whatsoever. It's still still thoroughly important, pivotal to our faith. But maybe we're just a bit fearful of talking about it in our today's context. I think, um, you know, most of us would have uh, experienced as you walk through Perth City or even down our Vic Park Cafe Strip, just people who, you know, standing on the street corners, they're preaching their hearts out about how, you know, Jesus is returning and if you don't accept him in this life, you're going to burn in hell for the, all of eternity. And, you know, we, we know those people and, and they are speaking truth, to be honest, um, but maybe maybe it's hard to kind of receive the love of God through through that method. But they're speaking truth nevertheless. But, you know, I think for Christians, we can sometimes adopt a fear that, oh, because that's kind of the image people get when we mention second coming of Christ or return of Christ or the rapture or, you know, just the end times. So we get fearful about talking about it. And then I think there's us or others on the other side of things where we're just really caught up with living life, to be honest. We know that Jesus came. We kind of know, yeah, that he's coming back. But we're just in this middle part right now. We're just busy living life and, and we don't really stop to think what happens after we, we pass into eternity, really. We're just caught up and we're busy. And we just feel like Christ's return is, you know, that can wait for tomorrow. That That's quite far away so we don't really have to pay much attention to it now but um, as I was reading scripture just just this thing that I just couldn't shake this thought popped into my head that whether we know or whether we're ready for it Christ is returning anyway Um, and this and you know today it's so easy to actually ignore events or ignore things that are going on like on Facebook you get a gazillion invites on your side of your whatever you call it not very technical as you can tell Um, but on the side of your page there are all these events that pop up and you can click I think it's now like interested can't go and going or something like that but the second coming of Christ isn't like that. God's not going to be making a Facebook page where you can say, where you can ignore it completely or, sorry, can't make it, sad face. There, there won't be any of that at all. But the, but the scriptures tell me that it's a worldwide event that all of us will be involved. So let's go to some scripture this morning. The word of God is awesome. Um, in Matthew chapter 24... Verse 30 to 31, and um, yeah, most of the scripture will be on the screen this morning, so you can check it out there as well. It says, talking about how it's a worldwide event, and then at last, the sign that the Son of Man, so Jesus, is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all peoples of the earth, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. So whether we are ready for Christ to return or not, he is coming. The Bible tells us so, and it involves each and every one of us. And there are two ways that the Bible talks about how we will be involved on that day of his second coming and the way that we can be involved is that we are either a sheep or we're a goat 
Now, before you have this weird imagery of Christ's second coming is a costume party where you're only allowed to dress up as a sheep or a goat. Uh, that's not where I want you to go at all. Is that just my mind? Is that anyone else went there for a moment? No? I totally imagined that as I was reading this. I was like, cool, so costume party, you know, be awesome. Who saw Sandy this morning, by the way? It, yeah, angry birds, red, she was awesome. Um, Sorry, I distract myself. It's it's awful. Um, so we are either we are either, as the Bible puts it, a sheep or a goat, and we're going to unpack this. Um, so in Matthew 25, so we're going to jump to the next chapter, Matthew 25. Um, this is talking about when Christ does return and, and just a bit of a picture of what that's going to look like. On the day that he returns, there's going to be a separation, a separation of humanity. Remember, we're all involved. Um, there will be a separation of people into two different groups for two different destinations. So we're going to um, have a read about that now. So verse 31 to 41 says this. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne before him. So that's King Jesus sitting on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. See, I'm not just crazy. It's, that's the analogy we're going for, a shepherd separating his sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right but, sorry, when I was practicing, I'd always go right, but this is my right. So the sheep will be separated on the right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So as this separation is happening, we can see that there are very there are two very different destinations for these two groups. There is one where it's inheriting the kingdom of God and the Bible talks about God being life and being love and so this kingdom is made up of all of these things. It embodies God. And then there's this other kingdom, this other place where the Bible refers to it as hell or Hades and that's that's um, a place where God isn't present, where the people there are separated from the love and the life that only comes from God and so um, the Bible describes it, and you can read it for yourself. We won't go into too much detail, but it, the Bible describes it as a place of eternal punishment and torment. And so these are the two different, um, different destinations. And um, I know that this message this morning is a really heavy message. We are talking about our eternal destination, but this is where I want to remind you of the goodness of our God, of the love of our God. And I love that already throughout the experience this morning, we've had just that confirmation of God's peace being in us in our situation and, and God's presence. And so this morning, as we talk about this, I want us to keep in mind that God is a God of love and that he wants us 
us to be able to stand confident on the day that Christ returns, knowing where we will go, knowing that we will spend eternity with him. Um, I love that, that scripture that Robin read out this morning about the peace of God, how the peace that God gives us isn't the peace, isn't like something that man would give, man can easily take away, but God gives his peace to rest on us and to be with us. When he gives it, he doesn't take it back. And so this morning, as we're, as we're listening to this, as we're taking in the word of God, I want us to remember um, that God wants us to live a life that's anchored in his peace, anchored in his love for us. So when that day comes, we can be confident, we can be secure. So... This morning, I want us to unpack how can we be sure? How can we have that confidence that God so wants us to have? Um, And so we're going to be uh, comparing a few different scriptures this morning. So I hope I'm not going too fast. Is everyone with me? Good. Okay. All right. So we'll just continue reading Matthew 25 um, a little bit more because here... uh, Jesus actually, after having separated the two groups, he actually goes on to explain to them, this is why you have been um, placed to my right and this is why you have been placed to my left. So let's read the words of Jesus and this will give us a clue as to how we can be confident about our eternal destination. So Jesus first turns to the people on his right and he says this, this is why you have inherited the kingdom of God. It's because I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the people will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothed you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Now, this is a question that we would all have when it comes to um, uh, ministering to Jesus. We don't have Jesus with us in bodily form. So how can we possibly feed him? You know, he doesn't walk in to lift as a person um, so that we can offer him our beautiful sweets that Shelley prepares. It's amazing. Actually, Audi was in on it this week. So good. Um, Looking forward to it. But we don't have this opportunity to minister to Jesus um, in a way that it's taking care of his physical needs but Jesus goes on to answer it. It says, And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. I'm going to read that again. Jesus answers them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. Then Jesus will turn to the people on his left and say, I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. I was naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he, he will answer them saying, truly I say to you as you did not do it to one of the least of these you did not do it to me now there are a few things here that we just need to catch um, so I'll paraphrase it quickly but there um, what we need to recognize that is that there was a difference in tr- in the treatment of the least of these between these two groups so um, 
the people on Jesus's right ministered to the least of these. They they um, treated them in a certain way, but then the people on the left didn't treat them like the people on the right did. Sorry if I'm confusing. I hope I'm not. But there was a difference in the treatment of the least of these. And the second thing is that Jesus is, Jesus is saying that the least of these, these this cryptic group that he's talking about, the least of these... Um, the way that they were treated was actually how the people treated Jesus. So these people were kind of like a proxy for Jesus. So those are the few things we need to keep in mind. So there were certain things that the people on the right did that the people on the left didn't do. And so from this passage, we know that our eternal destination hinges on this, how we treat the least of these on this treatment. And, and that's with the understanding that how we treat them is how we treat Jesus. And so um, as I was reading through this, my mind automatically went to, okay, so the least of these, he must be talking about um, maybe the poor, maybe um, people who are sick or maybe... Um, you know, people who are just hungry and thirsty and don't have a way of getting that themselves, maybe ministering to them is what um, what Jesus is talking about in this passage. But that can't be true because then that means that um, our, our eternal destination is is um, what's that word reliant is reliant on us doing good deeds and so that leaves us in a place where we can still be anxious and not have God's peace in our lives because then we start to think so how many deeds am I supposed to be doing how many is enough have I met my quota and every time we walk past someone who's in need but us ourselves aren't able to help we'll freak out and we will just be anxious and we'll live this life in fear and in the light of the gospel um, this just doesn't measure up. This thing of, of good deeds, it doesn't measure up and it just won't be enough. So in order to, for us to find out who exactly Jesus is talking about, we're going to look at Matthew 10. So if you've got your Bibles, you can um, flick there with me. And in Matthew 10, um, what we find is Jesus talking to his disciples. So the disciples have journeyed with Jesus. They've seen him minister to people. He has seen um, him bring the gospel, the good news to people. And now Jesus is is gathering them. All right, boys, we're going to head out soon. You're going to go. Um, but this is what you need to bring with you. This is what you need to do. These are a few tips on how to go about it. So this is where we pick up in Matthew chapter 10. Um, verse 9 it says so Jesus is talking do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts no bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff nothing for the worker is worth his keep whatever town or village you enter search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave as as you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah, which were cities in biblical times that were just rampant with sin. So it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town that doesn't receive you and the message you carry 
So here, Jesus was instructing his disciples not to take any money, don't make any prior accommodation arrangements, which would freak most of us out. You know, when we're traveling, we want to know that there's a hotel or whatever we can stay in. But Jesus is saying, no, none of that. Don't even bring an extra shirt. And, and for these guys, they'd be walking the whole way. Trust me, they needed an extra shirt. They would definitely need it when they got to their destination. But... Instead, Jesus was saying, if the disciples were welcomed into a home, culturally it meant that the person would be accepting relationship with that person um, and with the person who sent them. So, for example, say um, Pastor Nate sends me with a message to Yen. To, um, so I would go to Yen's house, I would journey, go knock on her door, and if she opened the door and welcomed me in, she wouldn't just be welcoming me and the message that I had, but she would also be welcoming Pastor Nate. That's how it worked um, culturally. And so... Um, as we compare um, these two texts, Matthew 10 and Matthew 25, we can see the similarities in how the least of these were treated, what was provided for them and what the disciples had to actually go without and just have faith that people would provide for them. So what Jesus, what the Bible is showing us here is that the least of these are actually God's messengers, actually God's disciples, the people who carry the gospel. And so the your eternal destination was based on whether you received the messenger of God, whether you received the message of God, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible is showing us this morning. So this is our hope. This is why we can be confident. Jesus is telling us here that if we receive him in this life, if we receive the gospel in this life, then our eternity is secure. Our eternity with God in heaven is actually secure. We can rejoice in that. And on that day, uh, we can, yeah, on that day that Jesus comes, we can be confident, we can be secure, we can stand in front of him and say, Lord, judge me, separate me because I know where I'm going. That's the kind of confidence that God wants to give us throughout our life. And more than that, because we have received the message of the gospel, we now have an even greater purpose for our lives. We don't have to walk around in fear or in doubt, but instead we can live life with the perspective of where we're going for eternity. We can have that peace that God wants to give us and no matter what we go through in life, no matter what storms, I don't know where you're at this morning, maybe there's something going on in your life, but no matter what happens, you can have that confidence that, hey, it doesn't matter what happens to me in this world because death can't actually touch me because I'm going to heaven. I'm going to an eternal place with Jesus and with God where love and life reigns. So no matter what we go through in our life, God wants us to be confident. We can be secure in the fact that we have a glorious, glorious destination. So that's good news, isn't it? It's good news. But then what do we do about the people on the left? What do we do about our goat friends? Um, sorry. I, I know that this is a really heavy message, so I'm trying to like help you see the joy and everything. Um, so the Bible encourages us 
Jesus says to his disciples, as you have freely received, you have walked with me, you have received this gospel, you know that it's good news to follow me. As you have freely received that, now freely give, now freely go, now freely don't worry about what to take, but freely go and be that messenger, carry that message of the good news to the people in your world. And Romans 10 verse 15 um, encourages us in this. It says, and how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I want you to look at your feet right now. Go on, just have a good look. And I want you to just say, feet, you are beautiful. Come on. (laughs) Turn to the person next to you. Feet, you are beautiful. Why are they beautiful? Because they are the feet of a messenger of God. Because you, if you have received the gospel, the good news of Christ, it means that you have this message to take into the world. And so you have beautiful feet. No matter what they look like physically, you have beautiful feet. This is, this is the hope when we have family, when we have friends, when we have loved ones who are right now rejecting and resisting the love of God and the gospel, this is our hope that God God sends us into our world. You know, in um, Matthew 24... 14 and Mark 13, it says that the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. The gospel must be first proclaimed to all the nations and then the end will come. How, how is God even imagining that his gospel will spread throughout the whole world? It's because he's got beautiful footed messengers in you and I. He wants to spread his love. He wants to spread the gospel through you and I. And so, uh, sorry. Um, So the thing is as well that God is so beautiful and gracious and as much as we can sometimes hear this message of, you know, there is a horrible eternal destination for these people, but God also says in his word that he's given us this opportunity. He's given us this window of opportunity. He has promised that the gospel will go to every nation. And I know there are a lot of people here who really um, have a heart for the poor and the needy and social justice and people in remote areas, but I believe because the word says it, that the gospel will be preached to all nations. So every person, God is saying every person will have an opportunity to receive him in this life. We don't have to fear that or, or be upset about that, but we can just hold on to God's word for that. And so he's given us this window of opportunity. So this morning, I, I didn't want to fill our heads with knowledge of, okay, so creation, Christ has come, uh, church, this is like the church era and then Christ coming back and then everything else that he ushers in. I didn't really want to, you know, go to an intellectual place this morning, but I just wanted us to remember again this gospel that we've received, this amazing salvation that we've been freely given, but also to know that we, we are the messengers, that God has given us this wonderful mission to be his hands, to be his feet, to be his voice to our worlds. Now, you, yeah, you might be a bit overwhelmed right now. Oh, that means, you know, I've got to buy plane tickets and fly over to such and such and, and there find a preaching opportunity. I don't know. Um, 
But no, God, God simply wants to use you where you're at. He wants to use you in your school, in your college, in your university, in your workplace. Um, as a mum, as a dad, wherever you're stationed in life, God wants to use you right then and there. And Nate and I, we love leading you because every week, it's, it's like every week we're hearing of just these moments that you are getting with people to be able to share the love of God. And so this morning I want to encourage you, continue, continue doing that. The picture I got um, as I was preparing this message was of a baton relay. I used to love running the baton relay at school. It was awesome. Um, but just... I love that that moment where you can see that person running towards you and your heart's pounding because you're like, yep, i got to take off, i got to take off, i got to receive this baton. So that was the picture that I had for this morning. But And the thing is, the baton is the gospel. So how we've received it from someone, we should then go and be passing the baton on. But what I saw was that the batons multiplied. As soon as we passed it to a loved one who was saved and salvation has come to their house, then we received another baton and we were to go to another friend, to another family member and pass that on and see see God come into their household. And so the batons just kept on coming, kept on coming because as long as we've got breath in our lungs, we have this purpose. We have this purpose of being messengers for Christ and his good, good news. Can I get an amen this morning? Amen. So, so, running out of breath, sorry. Um, So, that's our purpose. Um, And this morning, there's... Um, before we can take on this purpose, there is a a big decision that each of us need to come to. Uh, I spoke a bit about it, how we first must receive the gospel. We first must receive the good news of Jesus Christ um, for ourselves first, and then we become that messenger. We become that person in that baton relay. So this morning, if you're not confident of where you'll be going for eternity, God wants to make you confident. Don't don't walk out those doors without being confident. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to receive the gospel, to receive the good news of Christ. And in in real short, and it doesn't even do it justice, but the gospel is this, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That person sitting next to you, they're not perfect. The person sitting on your other side, they're not perfect either. We've all sinned and we've all fallen short of God's glory. But the thing is, the, the only thing that could pay for that sin, for that debt of sin, is death. But the Bible tells us that the gift of God, so it's free, it's a gift from God, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why would he, why, why would he give us that free gift? It's because he loves the world. And so he gave Jesus, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And God says, you know, you don't have to go through Bible college, you don't have to go through the foundations course at such and such and such church, but if you've believed what I've said this morning, then simply declare with your mouth and believe it wholeheartedly that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead uh, three days after his death, you will be saved. It's as easy yet as, as groundbreaking and amazing as that. All it takes is faith. The Bible says that we please God by 
by having faith. So all he requires of us is to believe him at his word. And so if you're here this morning and, and you're like, okay, I don't know where I'm going, actually. I don't know. I'm not confident of where I'll be for eternity. But what you've said... That's striking a chord with me. I believe that to be true. Then this morning I want to give you uh, an opportunity to respond. So if I can have every head bowed, eye closed. It's just this thing we do for privacy um, because this is a special moment and we just don't want anyone distracted. But just on three, um, I'd like to ask you if, if that's you and you want to receive the gospel this morning, if you want to receive that good news of Jesus, then on three, I just ask you to lift up your hand and only I'm looking around. Um, the musos are focusing on their instruments. Um, but I just want to know who I'm praying with this morning. So on that count of three, one, two, three. Beautiful. That's awesome. Fantastic. Thank you, Jesus. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay, so um, I'm just going to say a prayer, and I'd love for you to repeat it after me. And, and the people who have responded this morning, we're going to say this with you. And this is your declaration of faith. So repeating after me, dear Jesus, I believe you to be the Savior of the world, that you've forgiven my sin and washed me clean. Come and be my Lord and live with me. I want to know you more. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lyft, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.